Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Wednesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, we'll recap our one-on-one conversations with the candidates seeking the office of Atlanta City Council President. That's just ahead, but first this. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger says it's extremely troubling that two Fulton County elections employees were able to allegedly shred about 300 voter registration applications. Officials say those paper applications would have been submitted in the last two weeks. Now Raffensperger is asking the U.S. Department of Justice to intervene. This after his office opened its own investigation despite Fulton's election director firing both employees involved. Raffensperger spoke with WABE's All Things Considered host Jim Burris and blamed the incident on an overall lack of employee training. By the end of the day, the buck does stop with the county election official. The director of elections is in charge of that, in charge of training, making sure that all of his employees follow the procedures. And so we will just have to look at the totality of what happened. Fulton County Commissioner Khadija Abdur-Rahman had a different take. I spoke with her earlier today. She said she was upset about the incident, but doesn't believe the alleged shredding was intentional. I'm, I'm mad. You know, I, well, my initial reaction was, was anger because we're on the spotlight. This is the last thing that we needed. And But I understand, or more importantly, I applaud those uh, employees around that situation when it happened. But yeah, my initial reaction was was anger. As you know, the investigation is underway and there may be information you can't share, Commissioner. But through your lens, if the alleged actions of the employees was intentional or or not, what what can you share? I, I suspect based on the preliminary investigation and the information I have, it was a lapse in judgment. There, there was no uh, concerted effort or uh, the things that I'm been he- I've been hearing out here, uh, you know, individuals are passing on from my perspective, my understanding based on the information that I am privy to. It was a mistake. It was a lapse in judgment. Uh, the procedure, uh, our standard operating procedure at Fulton County, I can tell you that is we don't shred anything, have to keep it in custody. Then after that particular time, then there's the procedure um, after the, the customary period of, of holding it. And so uh, they did not follow procedure. They made a uh, mistake, a stupid mistake. However, uh, you know, the good thing about it, and, and then this is what I want, it to be a takeaway with you today. The good thing about it is we have a climate at Fulton County in elections where other employees were forward thinking, 
uh, supervisors immediately reacted and the protocols that were in place to make sure, okay, lock this down, secure, have the conversation, start the investigation, take the action that we need very quickly, very swiftly. And that's the biggest story or the better story here. Well, Commissioner, I think one might argue, look, one or two registration forms and you believe it might have been a mistake or a lapse in judgment, but 300, allegedly shredding 300 voter registration forms. Can you understand someone raising an eyebrow to that? And that at the end of the day, if it is a training issue, it falls on the Fulton Elections Department, as Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has stated. Can you accept that? I, I don't accept that. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. It could be up to 300. Uh, you know, words matter. And so we don't know whether at this point, whether it's 20 or 25 or 300. And so it could be up to that amount. And I don't, I understand the gravity of the situation, whether it's one or whether it's 300. Um, however, there is a process. What I would say to Raffenberger, he's the last one that needs to say anything about processes when we have uh, thousands of individual that have not received their unemployment from the state labor department. And so, you know, we, we must be careful politicizing or making a situation bigger than it is. Uh, it's serious, it's serious. Granted, it's very serious. However, uh, the protocols that were in place and the fact that you still can, listen, we're protecting the vote. You can still show up, vote, vote provisionally, do not walk away. A provisional vote is just as important and count just as much as you going in and doing the regular vote. So I want the people to understand they can still vote. However, let's not politicize an issue with employees that did something that they should not have done. I've worked in corporate America, I've been a business owner. Employees will make mistakes, Employees will go rogue. Employees will do their own thing sometimes. And here again, I'm going to say allegedly, given, you know, we want to be fair to them, but set based on the facts that I have, I don't think that the malfeasance or it's a training issue, uh, that can be said about anything. We continue to train. We've had some of the most updated uh improved training. We've had several meetings to make sure that the safety of all the election workers, um, you know, is tight. You know, if you can remember, Rose, we had some election workers that were being, uh, uh, you know, followed and different other stuff. So we've sure. done a lot of things to improve and make sure that the integrity and the safety of the election workers and the electoral process here in Fulton County is tight. And so I would say to Raffenberger, do not politicize this. And maybe you need to look at some of the processes at the state uh, before you, you point a finger as, as to what we're doing over here in Fulton County. Okay, Commissioner, but as you know, he is the state's highest elections official. You don't think he has a right to be concerned as Secretary of State based on his duties? Or you think this is political, as you keep saying, because everybody knows there's tension between Fulton and the Secretary of State's office. That's that's not new. You don't think that he has a right, uh, based on his duties, to be concerned? I, I, I believe uh, 
that he has a right to be concerned. What I take issue with is politicizing some, something for political gain. We all know he's under fire. We all know that the Republican Party has put somebody in the race against him. We all know that he was one of the uh, main people singing the praises of Fulton County elections, that there was no fraud, that, uh, you know, this was a, a big lie. And then when the heat got to, to be too much for him, he changed the tune. So with all due respect, Rauschenberg, I understand his role, but I also understand that he has a party that he has to answer to. And uh, I stand on the premise of what is right. And what is right is to call a thing out when it's wrong or when there's something extra with it that's not being uh, brought, such as my uh, being very vocal about the Kathy Willard issue. And so I stand on the facts of, I believe based on what I know as an elected representative, that this was an isolated incident. It was a mistake. It was employees that made a mistake. We acted swiftly and the vote is protected and we have the parameters in place to protect the vote in uh, Fulton County. Finally, early voting is underway. Have you had any updates thus far on how everything's going in Fulton? Well, early vote, I had an opportunity to tour a couple of the voting precincts yesterday. They seem to be running well. Um, it seemed to be rather light, but that's, we, that's normal for the first day of uh, early voting. Uh, but as I went around and I was able to uh, you know, just view and speak to some of the poll workers and get a gauge of how they were feeling and able to speak some to some of the constituents post voting as to what their experience was. Everybody seemed to be in a very good mood yesterday. Did I have a couple of people that asked me about the situation? Yeah, I was candid with them and shared with them the same thing that I'm sharing with you. But for the most part, the Fulton County voters that I talked to yesterday from one end of the county to the other believe in Fulton County. They understand the process. They understand what happened. And they came out and exercised their right to vote yesterday. So today, yesterday was a good day, in my opinion, Rose. Fulton County District 6 Commissioner Khadija Abdur-Rahman, thank you so much for taking the time on such short notice. We really appreciate it, as always. No problem. Thank you, and you enjoy the rest of your day. That conversation recorded earlier today with Fulton County Commissioner Khadija Abdur-Rahman. Speaking of early voting... It began yesterday, and WABE visited one early voting spot in Buckhead to talk to voters, and one topic was top of mind for most. I see the uptick in terms of car break-ins and, and violent crimes and things of that nature, so it's really imperative for me. I, I felt like the least I could do was do my civic duty. Just concerned with the amount of crime in Atlanta and the lack of uh, police and other first responders in the, in the city. Um, I feel like we had some good leadership there for a little while, the beginning of 2020, and then we've just really not had any. I want to make sure I cast my battle for my person. And I just think that uh, voting is the most important thing you can do in this day and time. Voters at the Buckhead Library there, one of the early voting precincts that's now open ahead of the November 2nd election. And finally... First pitch, and a fly ball... Deep center, going back Kane at the wall, that is good! 
and he sends a shockwave through the ballpark. That is all you need to know. Atlanta Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman put the team ahead with his eighth inning home run against the Milwaukee Brewers last night. And now the Braves head to the National League Championship Series for a second straight year. The Braves will face the winner of the Giants-Dodgers series. I tell you, that was some game between the Braves and the Brewers. This is Closer Look. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. I'm Rose Scott. The five candidates for president of the Atlanta City Council participated in the Atlanta Press Club's Loudermilk Young debate series yesterday. And you can watch it this Sunday on our PBS station, ATLPBA, at noon. Now, here on Closer Look, as you know, I've had one-on-one conversations with all. We'll revisit a portion of these conversations, starting with each candidate explaining why now was the time to run. We'll begin with longtime and current city council member Natalyn Archibong, then Courtney English, Sam Sam Manuel, Mike Russell, and then Doug Shipman. I'm joined now by current city council member Natalyn Archibong, who represents District 5 and has done so since 2002. Welcome to the program. Good to have you back. Rose, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Let's begin here, because as mentioned, you've been on council for about two decades now. Uh, why run for council president? And why now? Well, thank you, Rose. Uh, when Council President Moore announced that she would not be seeking re-election, it became very evident that we would have a vacancy um, or an open seat, I should say, in that office. And I fundamentally believe that the office of Council President is best held and served by someone who has been on the City Council. Taking back the last election cycle, we had three council members who ran. And remember before that, uh, Council President Mitchell and Councilmember Muller mm-hmm. at a runoff. And so it is fundamentally uh, the best course of action for our city to have an experienced council uh, president. And I'm humbled that I am the only one that is running this time. I've talked to all of my colleagues and they've been uh, supportive and I'm grateful for the citizens who've allowed me to serve. And it would be my esteemed honor to give back to the city that has given so much to me by offering myself to utilize all that I have and all that I am to make our city better. How do you see your role as city council president? Let's start with affordable housing here, because this is this is a, the, a prime example. Everyone wants to see changes for those neighborhoods that were once blighted or once or those neighborhoods that once were considered, you know, economically depressed. But at the same time, how do you keep legacy residents there? And how also do you make sure that as an influx of new people come in, that those folks who've been there can afford to stay there? Because you you know, every day somebody is knocking on somebody's door trying to get them to sell their house for lower than what it should be, than market value. And then we get into this whole thing of gentrification. So how do you see the role of city council and you being able to stop that? Well, I would like, and this is something that I've been, uh, when we, uh, when the, when Mayor Bottoms came up with the chief housing officer, I rushed over and I said, we need to be that clearinghouse for, to your point, let's say a senior citizen has been inundated with postcards, phone calls, knocking on doors. We need to be that clearinghouse where we can say with no intent to try to manipulate and put our thumb on the scale to let people know valuation, let them know about options, let them know about um, homestead exemption options, letting them know about owner-occupied rehab so that people don't feel the tension and the stress 
of the pressures of the opportunistic person trying to acquire their home. I would love for the city to be that clearinghouse, for us to be that source that allows for people to be empowered to understand what they have in home ownership. Uh, relative to having people be able to afford to come in, we affordable housing is a nationwide crisis. It mm -hmm. is a crisis here as well. One of the things I heard as I researched uh, what could we do differently and better? And, you know, you've had a lot of people on talking about affordable housing and we can all tick off the list of things that needed to be done or needs to be done. But what I heard was that we didn't have a central uh, group of people working collectively on behalf of the city to direct the city council on policy directives. And so I'm honored that the council agreed with me when I uh, offered legislation establishing the Affordable Housing Commission. It is the first time the city now has a a source and we're looking forward to their work product to give us a roadmap for public policy. Well, wasn't that Terry Lee's position initially to be this like housing czar or whatever you want to call it? It was interesting. Terry reported to the mayor and was real clear about her lines. And so she was um, open to talking with us, but her, her direction, her focus, her vision was for the administration. The council is the legislative body. Mm -hmm. We need help in the policy space. And that is what the Affordable Housing Commission is doing for the city council. Well, let me ask you this then. You mentioned, obviously, as an APS board member, and you were also the chair. And, and I remember, I, I, I remember not court, and I remember all the fighting. I remember when y'all sure. took each other to court. <laughs> suing each other. Um, so no stranger to holding an elected office. You did run for city council in, in the last election cycle, but now you're back. So why Atlanta City Council president as opposed to maybe running for another district? Well, I think, look, I think this moment in time um, literally meets all of my skills, my experiences. Again, I I think I mentioned, you know, I've, I've led a legislative body before. I've also represented the entire city. I was a citywide board member before and and you know you talked a little bit about uh the crazy times over at aps you know uh the citizens of atlanta uh sent me down to aps to help put aps uh back on track and uh ultimately my colleagues unanimously elected me uh to serve as board chairman uh together we increased the district's graduation rate to a record high uh, we raised teacher pay we put more money to the in, into the classroom uh, and we sent more kids off to college uh than ever before and so i believe that skill set uh, having led through crisis, uh, having uh, led a diverse group of elected officials who are represented, uh, who are elected to serve uh, a diverse constituency and getting all those folks together and on the same page and then turning around a large government agency literally leads itself or lends itself to this exact moment that Atlanta faces. And so uh, I'm excited to offer that leadership. I'm excited to uh, roll up my sleeves and go to work for all of Atlanta. Well, the difference there is, as you all being the board entity, the superintendent pretty much worked worked in collaboration with you all, so to speak, and you all were a governing body. The difference here with the city of Atlanta, with the council and the council president, that the mayor in this form of city government gives more power and authority to the mayor. So how effective can a city council president be based on all the things you just said? Well, I think a few things. I don't plan on being a traditional city council president. In fact, we're going to transform what that office means. Uh, as city council president, we're going to use the office to create a policy think tank that looks at best practices and brings those best practices home. 
We're going to be uh, ensure that the council is operating transparently. Uh, we're going to create an equity scorecard uh, that looks at all of the major issues before council and rates those issues on their ability to create a safer, stronger, more equitable Atlanta, an Atlanta that works uh, for everyone. I will also use the power of the convening power of the office to ensure that we have access to the best, uh, brightest uh, minds uh, that are working on the issues that we face. Uh, moreover, I'll ensure that the council has access um, uh, to independent expertise um, that it can rely on instead of relying solely on the voice or the experts that the administration puts forth uh, to ensure that the council can exercise its oversight responsibility. Right now, you have a situation effectively where uh, the fox is watching the hen house. And if the council uh, has to rely on the mayoral administration for all of their information, and we're going to turn that on its head. And so uh, it, it will be a very different council presidency uh, once I'm in office. So in other words, you're going to get rid of the fox? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not getting rid of the fox. I'm just going to ensure uh, that we've got uh, th that the, the hens have all the proper tools they need uh, to keep the fox at bay when necessary. Don't think I've ever heard anyone put it quite like that. Yeah, and you have an extensive background working in labor reform movements. I want to ask you and begin there. How do you see that work, your your past work and that or current work and that being able to help you with becoming uh, being an effective Atlanta City Council president? Well, I am the uh, socialist workers endorsed candidate for president of city council. And using this campaign to talk to working people door to door and uh, on strike picket lines and in factories about the need for us to break not only with the uh, two main capitalist parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, but with their view of politics. And that's where the labor movement mm -hmm. and broader social struggles come into play, because that's what real politics is, and that's where real change takes place. Well, as you know, this election is is uh, nonpartisan in a sense, but I want to ask, um, how are you getting that message to voters, though? How do you bring that to get someone to say, you know what, I think Sam Manuel is a person we should elect as president of Atlanta City Council? Well, I'd like to thank you and your show in uh, contributing to that, um, uh, giving us the uh, platform to, to be able to talk to people. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've done it mainly uh, in the workplace. Um, I work at Walmart as a um, dairy stalker. Uh, talking to co-workers about uh, this on the job. And of course, the question of unionization and fight for a union mm -hmm. is very important uh, there. Uh, I have spent uh, most of this campaign since we launched it back in February, uh, <clears throat> going door to door, talking to people and getting to every um, struggle by unions that I can, not only in Georgia, but across the South. Um, I've been to... Uh, Birmingham, Alabama area to walk the lines with uh, mine workers uh, at Warrior Met, who I believe are going into their ninth month of, of their strike to, 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 to get a real contract there, mm -hmm. not only in terms of wages, uh, but also health and working conditions. Uh, shortly after this interview, I will be leaving to go to Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, city of the 1968 sanitation worker strike, mm -hmm. where Kellogg workers, bakery workers, have now gone on strike against the horrendous conditions 
often that are being imposed on workers in the name of the pandemic. Uh, the boss is using this to force people to work uh, 12-hour shifts as a regular thing, to work seven days a week, um, to make up for the labor shortage that mm -hmm. they face right now. Um, that's the way that I've been getting this message out, and uh, we've gotten a response. Well, as you know, this election is nonpartisan in a sense, but I want to ask, how are you getting that message to voters, though? How do you bring that to get someone to say, you know what, I think Sam Manuel is a person we should elect as president of the Atlanta City Council? Well, I'd like to thank you and your show in uh, contributing to that, um, uh, giving us the uh, platform to, to be able to talk to people. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've done it mainly uh, in the workplace. Um, I work at Walmart as a um, dairy stalker, uh, talking to co-workers about uh, this on the job. And of course, the question of unionization and fight for a union mm -hmm. is very important uh, there. Uh, I have spent uh, most of this campaign since we launched it back in February, uh, <clears throat> going door to door, talking to people and getting to every um, struggle by unions that I can, not only in Georgia, but across the South. Um, I've been to uh, Birmingham, Alabama area to walk the lines with uh, mine workers uh, at Warrior Met who I believe are going into their ninth month of, of their strike to, 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 to get a real contract there, mm -hmm. not only in terms of wages, uh, but also health and working conditions. Uh, shortly after this interview, I will be leaving to go to Memphis, Tennessee, uh, city of the 1968 sanitation worker strike, mm -hmm. where Kellogg workers, bakery workers, have now gone on strike against the horrendous conditions often that are being imposed on workers in the name of the pandemic. Uh, the boss is using this to force people to work 12-hour uh, shifts as a regular thing, to work seven days a week, um, to make up for the labor shortage that mm -hmm. they face right now. Um, that's the way that I've been getting this message out, and uh, we've gotten a response. Let's begin here uh, just with an overview as to why you're running for Atlanta City Council president. Well, it was a bit of a surprise to myself that I entered uh, politics. I'm not a politician. Uh, this all started last year when I was yelling at the television and my husband said to me, they cannot hear you. Um, if you want to do something, you need to get off the couch and go do something because uh, yelling is not going to solve anything. So I got involved and started volunteering. I uh, started uh, going to police stations, uh, trying to show them some support. And I started expressing my opinions on uh, social media. And very surprising to me, I gained a following. And those folks started asking me to run for political office uh, based on my experience um, with things like crime and city management and budgeting. <clears throat> and after a while, I did decide to run. And, and so here I am. You said you were yelling at the television. What was taking place? What were you seeing? Uh, the destruction of our city. You know, Atlanta is the cradle of the nonviolent civil rights movement, and that means something to me. And I was just horrified at what was happening in our city, um, and I wanted it to stop. And so um, at my husband's prompting, I got off the 
uh, sofa and started going out in the city and trying to connect with people and do my part to try to bring this city back together. You're referring to the the protests that were taking place and then the, the aftermath when some of those turned into some destruction. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and um, that touched me personally because a friend of ours uh, shop was uh, hurt by that. And then the businesses around us, you know, the um, target that we normally go to was destroyed. And so this was not something that you see on the television that happens in someone else's city. This was happening in our backyard. So I want to be clear, your your frustration was with for those that turned it into destruction, but not the actual protest. Or were you upset with the protest in terms of as it relates to policing in the black and brown communities, primarily black communities. And of course, all this on the heels of the death of George Floyd. So I just want to be clear in terms of what was the prompt for you? What were you actually upset with? It was the violence. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has the right to protest. You know, I served in the military for almost 30 years to guarantee our uh, pl- uh, freedoms, politi- uh, particularly our freedom of uh, speech. And so that was not of concern to me. Mm-hmm. What was of concern was that our city was being ripped apart and, and the violence. You tweeted, quote, my vision is to elevate our city to the next level from sidewalks to security. Excellence is a standard. We have to start with getting the basics right, close quote. So, Mr. Russell, what are those basics? Where do you propose we begin? I think with law and order, with public safety, I believe that is the first responsibility of government. And right now in our city, we're failing at that, as are other places around the country. I think we have to get our roads and bridges fixed. Um, I've said this before, and, and I don't mean to insult anybody, but I've lived in a lot of places around the world, and I've never lived in a Western city that is as raggedy as Atlanta. Uh, we have plenty of money, but we're not doing what needs to be done when it comes to city services and when it comes to our infrastructure. Um, and that has got to change, and it's got to change now. Why is Atlanta raggedy? Because I don't believe that people are being held to account. Um, As I watched the budgeting process last year, I saw council members voting to spend massive amounts of money without ever reading the bill. They didn't even know what they were voting for, and they were spending our tax dollars. Um, I've done these things before in city management. Um, The last base that I was on, our team was recognized as the very best in the United States Army worldwide for the city services that we provided to our residents. And we did that, we didn't receive any additional funding or personnel. We did that because we changed our attitude about how we budgeted our money and how we treated our residents. Our residents became customers and that changed everybody's attitude when they dealt with the issues that our customers had. And so I think we need to take a totally new approach to how we uh, account for our uh, budgeting process and that we hold the mayor and, and the new mayor's administration accountable for the money that they spend in this city. Thanks, Rose. It's always good to be here. Glad to be back. I refer to you as a political newcomer. Why now? Why now seeking an elected office? You know, I think we're at a, a pivotal crossroads in Atlanta. We came into COVID uh, with 25% poverty. But we also came into COVID with an enormous amount of economic growth, Microsoft moving here, Google moving here, people moving here. And so I think that we really are at a moment where we can keep growing in the same ways, which are stressing our infrastructure, stressing our affordability, or we can take this moment as we come out of COVID and really try 
to focus on those intractable problems with some fresh ideas. And I felt like that my unique background in the private sector and the nonprofit sector, which you mentioned, bringing a lot of people together to do those big sorts of things was exactly the kind of moment. And city council president, as I'm sure we'll discuss, is a consensus builder. That's that's the role it has to play. And that really felt like it matched with my skills. You mentioned pivotal crossroads. Hasn't Atlanta been at these crossroads for a long time? What's different about now? In some, in some ways, we have been at these crossroads before. Um, I think what's pivotal now is that, one, we see a real a movement to Atlanta because of our diverse workforce. We see companies wanting to come here because Atlanta offers something quite unique. We've also seen incredible uh, investments in our educational institutions. Even most recently, our HBCUs have gotten incredible philanthropy over the last year or two. And so I think that this is, we have, we are facing some of the same problems that we have faced for a couple of generations, but I think the forces that are at work are different. And I think the opportunities that we have to actually address them are unique because of that, the growth that we're going uh, through right now. When Closer Lip returns, we'll have more with the candidates. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at CF greateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You're listening to Closer Look. This is 90.1 WABE, and I'm Rose Scott. If you're just joining the program, we're recapping our Atlanta City Council president candidates' conversations. Up next, the candidates talk about their leadership style. This time, we'll begin with Doug Shipman, then hear from Mike Russell, Sam Manuel, Courtney English, and finish with Nalan Archbaum. Let's talk about leadership for a moment, Doug. How do you define your leadership style? First, you're someone who's new to politics, and you want not only just city residents to vote you as an Atlanta City Council president, but also presiding over, or, or as you mentioned, being this this core for a new city council, which will be, in, in a, for what it's worth, it'd be pretty pretty green. I'd be, there'd be some veterans left, not a whole lot. But y'all going to be young, whether you're elected or not. When I say young in terms of, you know, experience. I appreciate you calling me young. In, in experience. I know you're old, man. <laughs> so... You know, I have a I have a graduate degree in public policy. I've worked on Capitol Hill. I've worked in campaigns. Obviously, um, through my various nonprofit efforts, I've worked closely with city council members and with mayoral administrations. I think that my leadership style one is to have relationships before you need them. I develop deep relationships with the civil rights leaders, with um, civil rights um, foot soldiers, with the philanthropic community long before we actually built the Center for Civil and Human Rights. I would do the same thing as city council president. Someone also said to me that the city council president ought to be a gap filler of information, ought to be constantly moving around and then helping other city council folks understand what's happening. I would absolutely be doing that. And then I would also be bringing new folks to the table, you know, whether it is, you know, younger folks who I've mentored over time, whether it's members of our AAPI community, our Latino community, 
um, or newcomers to Atlanta, I would want to be a city council president making sure they have a way into the city and into decision making processes. That would be my style. So I want to talk about leadership for a moment because you mentioned, look, you know, I'm new to politics. But if you were elected, let's just say you were elected Atlanta City Council president, what is your leadership style? Because you would be working with some folks who are veterans and some who are not, but some who may question, you know, what can you do as Atlanta City Council president leading us when you still have to learn just the basics, the overall basics of how a a city council operates in general? What would you say to that? People Uh, question your leadership style. Well, first, my leadership philosophy has been that I will not fail those whom I serve. And that is still true for the soldiers that I've led in combat, it's still true for their families that I've taken care of, and it will stand true for the residents of Atlanta. I've also worked in a lot of diverse places. I've worked and negotiated from the tribal level, you might have seen some of the pictures on my website, Mm -hmm. all the way up to the international level. So I know I've, and I'm not just trying to brag, but I've done this before numerous times to bring people together with uh, diverse interests and competing interests so that we can sit around the table and come up with a solution that is actually going to happen, that can be implemented. So I can learn Robert's rules of order and the other things, but what is lacking in our city is leadership that is focused on results. And that's what I intend to bring to the table. There are gonna be at least five new council members Mm -hmm. uh, joining the city council. And I think this is a chance, this is an opportunity, this is a window of opportunity for us to turn this city around and make it better uh, for all of us. How did you bring everyone together? You said you've done this before with your leadership style. You brought people together. How'd you do it? Listening, um, learning the environment, understanding what is important to other people because everybody sees things through a different lens based on a variety of, of, of issues. And then being able to reach across the table and come up with a a common understanding and a common goal. Um, I've dealt with people who hated each other for centuries. Um, I brought Poles and Germans together. Um, It was not easy, Um, but it it takes time, it takes finesse, um, and it takes a lot of uh, patience to do it. Unfortunately, in our city, there's some things that we don't have a lot of time to correct, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with the crime. But I'm confident, uh, because I've done this before in cultures where I didn't even speak the language, that I can do it here in the city of Atlanta. Finally, Mr. Manuel, let me ask you this, because we touched on the role of the city council president and through your lens, and everyone's been getting this question, what type of leader are you? Uh, well, hopefully one that has uh, learned from working with other working people. Um, I decided to join the revolutionary movement actually here in Atlanta when I was a student. Uh, then I think at Georgia State University and there was a strike of sanitation workers mm-hmm. in Atlanta. It was the first real, I was actually still a college student, not a worker <laughs> at all or involved in any labor movement. Um, but the the capacity of workers when in a fight, when there is a cause uh, to rise above the stereotypes that are often presented about how we conduct ourselves, 
uh, which anyone who has studied the civil rights movement knows for sure mm -hmm. what that is, those types of values. Those are the things I hope I have learned and uh, All developed. Right. Courtney, define your leadership style. So I am, I would define it uh, uh, three ways. One, uh, courageous. Um, I have the courage to stand by my conviction. Um, I also will say that I'm incredibly effective. Uh, you know, I, I get things done. And so, you know, when I joined the school board, our graduation rate hovered at 50%. Our graduation rate for black men was at right around 45%. Our graduation rate for kids with special needs is at 19%. By the time I left, uh, the graduation rate was a record high for uh, overall for every student APS, for black men specifically, and we had doubled the number of kids who were graduating with special needs. Um, and so I, I get things done. The last thing I'll say uh, is this. I am incredibly impatient. Uh, I move with a strong degree of urgency. Uh, folks throughout this city have been waiting far too long for affordable housing. They've been waiting far too long for a cleaner, or safer street. They've been waiting far too long for effective government. So uh, four years from now, once elected, you'll have a very different city government because people can't afford to wait. Uh, this city is changing every single day. And for folks who are being displaced, it's a terrible thing to feel like a stranger in your own home. And so we're going to get on this affordable housing issue. We're going to get on this equity issue. We're going to ensure that we have a government that is working for people uh, because for far too long, we haven't had that. Tell me about your leadership style, Councilmember Archibong, or tell our listeners, how do you describe your leadership style? Well, I think I'm more of a uh, transformational leader, and that kind of leader as I've uh, looked at leadership styles to see which ones I kind of fit into. They, uh, I like to do problem solving, and I like to be creative and innovative in how we approach problem solving. But at the end of the day, when we consider the council, it is important to be uh, team oriented because we have 15 interdependently elected officials who have to build consensus around a path forward. And so that is a space that I enjoy and I occupy. And I celebrate uh, having people have great ideas and innovation. As I like to say, I take credit for great ideas and I blame you if it doesn't work out. And so that has helped a lot in having an open door policy of including um, people who may have different perspectives and views and coming together with a solution that's good for uh, the city. And the last thing I say is I love when we also in all of that include the public so that we know that we aren't distant from the will distant from the will of the people and that is it all five candidates in the race for atlanta city council president each talking about their leadership style you can hear all of the entire conversations online at wabe.org the election is tuesday november 2nd that's it for this edition of closer look a reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other you know what to do send me an email rose at wabe.org and if you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. As well as in our podcast, subscribe to Closer Look wherever you choose. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.